On today's episode of Locked On Spartans, it is just me again, Will Hunter, riding solo with you. We are going to talk about uh, what Mel Tucker said and really didn't say at his uh, weekly game day, his first weekly game day uh, press conference, media availability, Zoom conference, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Coach Mel Tucker didn't have uh, much to say, and I want to kind of talk about, you know, where he comes from coaching and why we should expect more of the same. Then I'm going to talk about some long-term, you know, macro views for the season. What do I want to see? What will constitute a success for me this season? And then uh, there's some rumors that uh, Rocky Lombardi might be quarterback one. We didn't get an official announcement, but it seems like there are people who feel that he's going to be the guy has been named the guy. I want to talk about why I think that's the right move for Michigan State moving forward. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Spartans. It is Wednesday, October 21st. The year is 2020. I'm your host, Will Hunter. Thanks so much for joining me and just me on today's episode. Still no word from the Sheehan clan. I feel weird doing this. I, sh- I should be like, it should, I should ask Matt if it's okay that I'm like updating. I'm not really updating because... Frankly, if you listen to this, you probably follow Matt on Twitter, and if you're listening to this, you know, you're going to see an update on Twitter from him or Instagram or something uh, (laughs) at some point. So, you know, and I don't don't feel bad. Still no uh, word from Sheehan. Sheehan will not be with us for today's episode. Probably not tomorrow's as well. I'm going to try to force him to, like, call in for Friday's episode as we, uh, you know, when we get to Rutgers. There, so yeah, just flying solo with me. We're going to run through Mel Tucker's press conference. We're going to talk about expectations and some quarterback play, so we'll do that here in just a minute. But first, write it a rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. You can find Locked On Spartans wherever you get your podcast. We do this every single day, five days a week, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And I think we'll see how it plays out because Matt is obviously juggling some things <laughs> these days and not that we all aren't I mean I got a kid at home man I'm still doing the podcast what's what's the excuse god uh but the, what we want to do this season is Saturdays at some point after Michigan State's games wrap up and maybe even like a Sunday morning thing we'll, we'll settle in on a a zone that works we want to do a, a live reaction show just like 15 minutes Locked on live. We've done a handful of live podcasts uh, already. We did a mailbag, and I, th- I think we Matt just did a mailbag himself. You know, just kind of playing around with the, the streaming on Twitch or Periscope, YouTube, wherever. I think Facebook Live, too. Just kind of messing around with it, getting the feel for it, so we could do things like this where we can, you know, at 5 o'clock or 4.30 on Saturday or 10 a.m. Sunday. We'll, uh, uh, once I get on board with Matt, we get on the same page, we'll have a, a better set time for you. But sometime after Michigan State plays Rutgers, we'll hop on the live and you guys can join us. We'll get like live instant reactions or, or 
relatively instant reactions. You can throw questions at us. You can complain or, you know, compliment, whatever you so choose. And that'll be like a mini podcast. I think uh, I'm going to check, but I'd like to release that as a, a mini special podcast. So if you miss the live stream, you can still catch up. But I would put it out immediately, right? If we record Saturday at 4.30, I'd, I'd get that thing out within the hour or so. And it would just be 10 and 15 minutes. And it wouldn't have the normal ad breaks and wouldn't count as one of the five episodes per week. That's kind of what I'm thinking right now. A little mini bonus pod, reaction pod every week. But really, you know, with a focus on live reaction, doing a live show on Twitch, on Periscope, all those different streaming sites. So that that is in the works too. So be on the lookout for that on my Twitter feed, Matt's Twitter feed. And we'll uh, we'll have, like I said, more information once I'm able to kind of touch base with Matt. And we get on the same page and we see how everything is going with him. If he has time, I, I don't know. It's going to be tough to... Newborns are tough. Anyone out there with newborns know they can... Uh, they can take up some time and it's, you know, it can be tough to schedule around them, but we'll get that figured out for sure and, and be doing some live reaction shows after football games this season. All right. So as for today's topics, Mel Tucker does a weekly Zoom press conference, meets with the media. Uh, this is typical Tuesday game day. Mark D'Antonio did the same thing. Uh, you meet with the media every Tuesday before practice and answer questions about the upcoming opponent, game plan, this, that, the other, whatever, and usually address any interesting tidbits in the depth chart. We'd walk into, you know, media walks into the media room uh, under Spartan Stadium, and on the table there's depth charts, and whoever gets there earliest grabs it, sits down, scans it, finds something interesting, tweets it out, and then everyone else follows that up and like, oh, I, I noticed that too on the depth chart. I'm going to tweet that too. But it's, it's like a fun little race to see who can find the first interesting thing on the depth chart. But this year, first game, first media avail game week, and Mel Tucker says he's not releasing a depth chart at this time. Not going to say who the starting quarterback is. A lot of schools will, on this day have already internally said, you know, we got our guy named a starter internally. The team knows quarterback X has taken all the first team reps. We got it. That's the starter. And then the Tuesday before the first game, you announce it, right? At your media availability, whatever day that is, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever you meet with the media before the game, you announce the starter. If you got a quarterback competition, usually now, we at Michigan State are familiar with the oars, like I talked about yesterday. So sometimes it's just a confirmation of like, yep, it's still a competition. As you can see on the depth chart, we've got four potential starters at quarterback, like it was in uh, 2013. So we don't get that. We don't get oars. We don't get anything, any semblance of a depth chart here with Mel Tucker, which is, I don't know, he, he says it's a unique season. Right? We're not going to be doing the depth chart thing. We'll see. Maybe there's a pregame depth chart. He's still calling it a rep chart. I find it incredibly hard to believe that four days before you take the field for your opener, despite how weird it's been, you're not repping the ones over everyone else, and it's not obvious in practice. I find it very hard to believe that if you 
grabbed somebody from the team and got them to tell you the truth, they would know exactly who all the starters are at all the positions. Maybe there's a couple spots where there's a two guys uh, repping with the one splitting time evenly, and that's going to be something that gets decided in the in the game on the field. Find it pretty tough to believe that they don't know who's going to be starting right now, and it's they're right not to say that. I don't have like a major issue with it, uh, especially week one, new regime, weird off season, no spring game, no I don't know media stuff where. You get clips on BTN from practice because they just haven't been doing stuff like that. They've been very careful uh, in social media. After the first round, there was a couple pictures, I think, that got some people in trouble because you could see uh, Rocky Lombardi taking snaps from Matt Allen, and you can add one and one and get two to that. So they've been very careful about really anything. And it's quite the <laughs> the surprise the, to me, I, I, I would be a loser on this bet if you had bet me that the Mark D'Antonio regime would be like just free and open public information. Here you go compared to Tucker's so far. I would have not taken that bet, but it's only week one, right? Maybe we'll see Tucker still getting used to the media, still feeling his way around East Lansing, hasn't played a game yet. You know, maybe you start winning some games and feeling better and, and things open up a little bit. Also... Mel Tucker is a disciple of Saban, who himself is a disciple of Bill Belichick. And if there's one thing you know about Saban, if there's one thing you know about Bill Belichick, they don't really do the whole media thing very well. They like secrecy. They like to be guarded. They like to say absolutely nothing at all times. If they're talking in the media to the media and saying something interesting, it's usually to deliver some sort of message to their team that they want delivered. So I'm not surprised, stunned, that Mel Tucker has just sort of been repeating platitudes about we're going to be physical, we're going to be a brand of football that Michigan State fans love and recognize, we're going to play Michigan State style of football, right? Not surprised, you know, a little bit surprised, but not really that surprised that there's not a depth chart. Like even Alabama, I looked this up, even Alabama did a preseason depth chart. I went to Kirby Smart at Georgia because Mel Tucker, of course, worked under Kirby, both at Alabama and then Georgia. And Georgia's been doing uh, depth charts every week. So maybe a little surprised, but not totally because the circumstances are different. You got a quarterback situation, there's position battles that maybe you don't want to give anything away. I get it. But... Point is, I don't think we're going to be getting a lot of information out of Mel Tucker or his assistants or his players, really, uh, through media sessions. We might have to do a lot of tea leaf reading, and that's all well and good. Uh, like I said, it doesn't really matter too much to me. I think most of the stuff that comes out in media availabilities is, is junk anyway. If you win, the fans aren't going to care. They're going to love it. They're going to side with you, and they're going to, you know, yell at Chris Solari for asking a question, right? That's how it goes. If you lose, it makes you kind of look like a jerk and it just sort of accentuates some negativity that way. So it can be something that plays into how fans feel about you, but overall, you just got to win. Like everything we've been talking about with everything with Mel Tucker, it's great if you recruit. You got to win. You got to win. You got to win. I'm not breaking any ground there, but it all comes back to winning football games. Speaking of 
winning football games. I want to talk about uh, the expectations for doing that this season and just kind of what I'm looking at from a macro perspective as Michigan State gets ready to take on records here in week one. But first, a word from Coors Light. Yes, so fired up. We've got Coors Light on board. These days, it seems life you know, forces us to be on all the time, right? We're just, you're working from home now. Home life balance is just a mess. You always got to check your phone for emails. You have meetings in your dining room and it's not a place where you just enjoy delicious food. It's also a workspace. Like, can I put in a home office? Do we have space? Do we have the money? This is a mess. And sometimes, every now and then, you just got to take a step back, stop, and reset, and that is when you reach for a Coors Light. It is mountain cold refreshment that is made to chill. And frankly, after the summer, the spring, the summer, the early fall that we've been through, the year 2020, we all deserve to just sit back, relax, sit on the couch this Saturday to watch Michigan State, and drink a mountain cold Coors Light, the beer that is made to chill. I know I'm going to be doing it. Sheehan's going to be doing it because we know he's going to be just needing a Coors Light after the last couple of days. You know, get through that work week. We're like halfway there, right? We're at hump day. We're almost there to Saturday. So make sure when you sit down for bigger noon Saturday, Michigan State and Rutgers on BTN at noon, you are doing so with the beer that is made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the Coors Light in their new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode is also brought to you by Built Bar. I really miss Matt in these reads, just like someone shouting in my ears while I'm trying to read copy or trying to come up with something snappy to say off the top of my head to get you guys engaged. It's tough. It's tough. I miss him. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. They've got a new and improved formula and it is somehow even more delicious than the previous version and I don't know how they did that. It's still just as good for you, but somehow even more delicious. They've got 18 amazing flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, apple, almond, crisp, banana bread, which is super underrated. You wouldn't think, but it's great. Mint brownie, salted caramel, peanut butter brownie, and so many more flavors. These things are soft and easy to chew, and every bar is covered in 100% chocolate. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber like the Cherry Barcia, one of the new flavors. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. You cannot beat that right now. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, one word, LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Okay, so expectations. 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 These are... Really important, I think, to frame Mel Tucker's start at Michigan State. We've talked ad nauseum about the unique circumstances. No spring ball, hired late. I should have said hired late first. No spring ball, uh, pandemic hits. 
can't recruit, can't hold workouts in a normal way, can't practice, start up, get stopped, start working out again, start practicing again, playing games again. It's all just been a total mess. We've talked about that, and Matt and I are squarely, firmly in year zero camp, still in year zero, but that doesn't mean there aren't expectations, right? It's it's year zero, but it can absolutely become like year one uh, in not a good way uh, if it doesn't go well. Like I'm I'm going to be willing to excuse a lot of things this year. Going to be willing to expunge the record of Mel Tucker at Michigan State after this season, but there is certainly a cutoff point where. I'm going to raise some eyebrows and be like, okay, are we sure this is going to work? And honestly, losing to Rutgers, if that happens, wouldn't even put me there. I'd certainly start to raise an eyebrow. I'd be interested in raising my eyebrows. But but let's say Michigan State goes out there and loses to Rutgers week one. And it's a combination of Rutgers is going to be a little bit better than we thought. Got some transfers in. They look pretty good. Shiano's got them playing hard. They're much more of a team. They actually look like they belong on a Big Ten field. They're not great, but they're not the laughingstock doormat that they are. They're going to compete in a handful of games. And let's say it's a combination of that and Michigan State is just not that good yet. The, The practices, the lack of practices, lack of spring game, lack of time on the field with the new coaching staff is evident. They're, they're still learning the scheme, they're sloppy, they're a little slow, they're undisciplined. You can tell it's a new team breaking in a bunch of new starters, right? And that, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. It could happen. But let's say that happens week one. I'm not going to be immediately sounding the alarm. In week two, that could happen week one, and in week two, maybe they look a little better, get clubbed by Michigan. Right, We're going to reset sort of a win-loss expectation, certainly if you lose to Rutgers or you know, squeak out a close win against Rutgers. Maybe they're not going to win four games. Maybe it's only going to be two. But even if you lose to Rutgers, you get clubbed by Michigan, you're just sort of slogging through, not looking good, but then weeks four, five, six, seven, you've got some winnable games there in the middle. You start being more competitive. You win a couple. You win one. You beat Northwestern. You beat Maryland. You're competing against Indiana. You're looking cleaner. You're improving. You can see the guys are playing faster. They've got the schemes down. They're playing hard still. The season's not going well, but they're still like busting their butts the entire time. Effort's not an issue. It's very much a motivated and improving team. And you can see that. And even though the results on the field aren't necessarily there, say they go three and six, two and seven, heaven forbid worse. I don't think they could go worse. I really don't. But like two and seven, if it's a point where they're improving, they're playing hard, they're getting better, you're seeing the schemes sort of take hold of them, and you're thinking like, okay, some of these guys are just bridge players. Some of these guys are young, talented, and are going to be good football players for this program and are helping sort of lay a foundation. If it's that, 
I think I would still be okay with it. I'm I'm gonna like excuse it under year zero. That's like a that's a bad scenario. I think going two and seven, losing to Rutgers, getting clubbed by your rival, obviously getting crushed by Ohio State, crushed by Penn State, losing to the other good teams, and like you know, you beat Northwestern, you beat Maryland, or something like that, right? A bad, bad, bad season. I'm willing to excuse it all. Should they continue to improve, continue to look better? If I can see some light at the end of the tunnel, I guess is a simple way of putting it. Like I can see, all right, this is how this works. This is how this plays out. Next year is quote unquote year one. 2021 is year one. Got a full recruiting cycle in. The class of 2021 looks pretty good, right? That's in this scenario. They're kind of, we'll see. It's getting better, but we'll see. But I, I can see the light at, at the end of the tunnel, right, at the end of the season. If that happens, and we got some young guys that look like they're going to be pretty good, and it looks like the scheme makes sense. It's going to be good once they figure it out. They're taken to the coaching. Everyone's still motivated. If that's a scenario, even though they go 2-7, and seven, I'm going to be willing to sort of excuse it under year zero. Now, if it's not that, if it's... Sloppy, undisciplined. If it's week seven, you got a one and six team. Guys are in the defensive backfield looking at each other, holding their hands up confused while someone streaks down the sideline for a 70 yard touchdown. If guys are lollygagging, if in the media you can sort of sense I'm over it, right? Some of the players, uh, I don't know if this is right. I'm over it. I, I'm kind of tired. Of this, I, I don't really feel like doing this, right? You can sort of sense that. Some quit, maybe. Not giving it all at all times. Then I'm, then I'm going to not excuse it under year zero, right? And that's sort of an extreme scenario. I don't think that's going to happen, but we're under year zero. The main things are compete improvement learn the scheme if i had to just like distill it down to those three things i want to see them play really hard all the time even in games where they're going to run up against a team that is just able to club them we've got to remember michigan state's breaking in eight nine new starters on defense they do bring some guys back on offense new quarterback though and new scheme new coaches new uh, a whole lot of new there's going to be rough patches. I want to see them stay competitive even when they're getting beat by teams that are going to just be able to handle them easily. And there's a couple on the schedule. I would say Ohio State and Penn State are the two. Maybe Michigan, but gosh, if you can't get them to get up and compete for Michigan in week two, despite a talent advantage for, for U of M, then ooh, we might be in trouble. So I want to see them compete. I want to see them grasping concepts, right? There's going to be breakdowns. There's going to be horrible blown coverages early in the season, right? We're going to, it's just, it's inevitable. Uh, There's going to be just offensive linemen going the wrong way, running backs missing on like it's, we're doing play action, but the running back ran the wrong way. Like it's going to happen. The receiver is going to get crossed up on a route. I want to see that stuff cut down. 
by the end of the season. It's not going to be eliminated, but I want to be able to look and be like, all right, they are understanding the scheme. And then going hand in hand with both of those things, if they're competing the entire time, if they are getting better with the scheme, then I think they will be improving improving <laughs> by the end of the season. And I want to see that. I want to be able to look at week one, look at week two, look at week three, look at week four, and then jump to six, seven, and eight, and the crossover ninth game. I want to be able to look at those and see, yeah, this is two totally different football teams. Completely different, obvious, discernible. The line is gelled. They were moving people by the end of the season. The defensive backfield got it figured out. The linebackers were moving downhill. The defensive line uh, went from a really young, inexperienced group to uh, a group of guys that can make some plays and hold their own, right? I want to see that solid improvement. And that's sort of those three benchmarks, competitiveness, learning the scheme, and just general improvement are how I'm going to define my expectations for this season. Yep, I want wins. We all want wins. It's a bottom line business. You got to win. But in a year like this, so long as is. It's not an extreme scenario like I laid out earlier. It can be a pretty extreme scenario, but not an extremely extreme scenario. So long as it's not that, we're going with year zero, or I'm going with year zero, and I just want to see those three things. Competitiveness, learning the scheme, and improvement. All right, we'll pause here real quick and then come back uh, to talk a little bit about Rocky Lombardi and why I think going with him is the right call to start the season. Okay, so no official word from Michigan State. No depth chart, no quarterback competition winner. Still a fierce competition that apparently Noah Kim is still involved in. If Noah Kim's taking first team reps right now, like I get it. We gotta um, they gotta get everyone prepared. I feel like Noah Kim shouldn't be taking any first team reps at the moment. <laughs> his his could come later. Uh, anyway, no official word on the Michigan State quarterback battle, but but there has been chatter, scuttlebutt, whatever you want to call it, that you know it's been a pretty even competition. There's been good you know good moments, bad moments for each guy, but that the feeling was it's going to be Rocky Lombardi to start the season, and for a lot of Michigan State fans. That name, I guess it's triggering, uh, would be a good way to put it, given what happened in the back half of the 2018 season. I've written about, we've talked about, you know, why we're not going to totally hold that against Rocky Lombardi. We're going to acknowledge its presence. We're going to say, yeah, it happened. A lot of mitigating circumstances. It's certainly not something that's inspiring confidence, but it's not going to... You know, the, the book's not written, so to speak, on Lombardi this early into his career. But for a lot of fans, it's, I don't know, probably the least desirable outcome because you want to see a younger guy. You feel like you can already write Lombardi off. If he's the guy, dear God, how bad is it? You see Theo Day, you know, he's got a good recruiting pedigree, had some big time offers, looks like a, a solid professional-ish quarterback, right? Prototype, I guess, not professional-ish. Prototype, you know, pocket passer with some athletics, athleticism. And then you got Peyton Thorne, redshirt freshman. Everyone loves a redshirt freshman quarterback. They're young, exciting. They haven't 
done anything bad yet. Dual threat, mobile kid, Wowden scout team last year, all that. So I get Lombardi might be the least desirable option for some, but I think he's the right choice to start the season especially because this team might very well struggle. They might, and I think, and not just might, I I think there's a good chance they're going to really struggle at times. Learning a new scheme, breaking in some new guys on the offensive side of the ball, it'll be a new offensive line coach, new blocking schemes, new communication, new commands, right? Matt Allen had talked about this, like it's almost like learning a whole new language in terms of protections, identifying things play calls, all that stuff. And while the idea of going with a younger quarterback early, going with Theo Day, going with Peyton Thorne early, the future of the program, you know, sort of bestowing it upon them, saying, hey, we're going to grow as you grow. We're going to grow with you. Like, that's all well and good. I appreciate the logic, but... That can also go really wrong really quickly. And I would argue that the same reason a lot of fans are not excited about Rocky Lombardi is the very reason you don't want to force someone like Peyton Thorne into a situation where he's not set up perfectly to succeed. Or Theo Day, for that matter. Like, Lombardi, as a redshirt freshman, was put in an offense asked to do th- things that just you know weren't perfectly suited to his skill set. They tailored the offense a little bit to him, not enough. He was asked to make throws that he wasn't ready to make. He was playing behind a makeshift injured line in an offense that had been stale even before he got in there with banged up receivers and a non-existent running game. And he floundered, as you would expect anybody to flounder in that situation. And, you know, now it's been a process of building back his confidence and seeing if that was just maybe a fluke or one-off or or something that we can look back on and be like, ha, that was funny. Remember when that happened? Now he's pretty good, right? He sort of has to overcome stuff that he really shouldn't have had to overcome. And you risk that with someone like Peyton Thorne or someone like Theo Day, even if you think, you know, the coaching staff might look at Peyton Thorne and be like, hey, I think this is our quarterback of the future. When we're good, it's going to be because Peyton Thorne is really good. I don't think you necessarily throw him to the Wolves immediately. You try to work him in a little bit, give him a series here or there maybe, especially early in the season. If you find yourself in an uncompetitive game, definitely get him some looks. You want to sort of ease him in especially because it's a new offense. Uh, it'll be an offensive line combination. Who knows if they played together? They, they probably did because MSU used a billion combinations, but it's not going to be a combination regardless. It's not going to be an offensive line combination that has played a lot together because no combination played a lot together last season. So you got that. You've got a receiving group that has uh, a junior in Speedy Naylor who's played 10 career games. Jaden Reed 
who's never played a game for MSU, C.J. Mosley, who's played five games for MSU, Larice Nelson, who's got like 13 career catches, C.J. Hayes just got hurt, you've got Trayvon Morgan, who's never played a game for MSU, and then you've got a bunch of true freshmen who have obviously never played for MSU. Plenty of talent, but lacking in experience. you got a tight end group that's got one scholarship player that you feel like that was recruited as a tight end that is going to play in Trenton Gillison. Matt Dotson's hurt. Parks Kissinger... Um, and Adam Burkhorst converted defensive ends, which whatever you get out of them is gravy, right? Not a great situation there. There's certainly a lot of talent and exciting potential on the offensive side of the ball, especially among the freshman and sophomore classes. It's just not ready-made to be a a high-powered group right away. It could be. There's elements to it where you're like, okay, the running game can maybe get going if that offensive line gels quickly. We got some fast receivers, maybe a deep threat passing game with a solid running game can kind of make things go along smoothly, but there's also plenty of chances for that to go way the hell off tracks, right? I sort of just laid out like a pessimistic view of the offense. I think too often as fans will look at a a situation and just see the rosy side of it, it can go wrong. And so I think Throwing the keys or giving the keys, so to speak, to one of the younger quarterbacks right off the jump might not be the smartest thing because if it goes wrong. And I, I, when I think about football, I like to think about, well, what if it goes right? I think too often coaches look at situations like fourth downs especially and say, well, what if it goes wrong? I could get in trouble. And instead they just sort of defer and take less blame or do something less risky for less reward. However... This isn't like an in-game scenario. This isn't a one-off decision. This is something that could sort of set up the future of the program or maybe derail it if it goes poorly. That's why I think going with Lombardi as at worst a bridge, at best, hey, this kid's pretty talented. We can have a good offense with him. Let's, let's ride this for a couple years is the right call. He's got experience. He's overcome stuff. He's he's really, I don't think it could get much worse than it did for him in 2018. And, and honestly, his 2019 snaps were in horrible situations, down 38-0 to Wisconsin, down 28-0 to Penn State in a driving rainstorm. Like it just, it's been tough for him. He's tough. He's already gone through some stuff. I don't know that he's necessarily going to get shook by a rough start offensively. And if he does, then it's going to be in part because he's just not a long-term solution at quarterback. And that happens. And if you get two, three, four games in the season and it's just not working out with Lombardi, then you've got a wonderful four or five game stretch where you give Day or Thorne shots and you see, hey, are one of these two, is one of these two the future of the program at quarterback? I think that's the smart move. I worry about giving the reins to one of the younger guys and it not going well because it's really not set up to go super great off the jump. And if you put Lombardi in and it doesn't go well, you have avenues after that. If you put Lombardi in and it goes well, great. That's fantastic. That's what we all want. There's relatively little downside, especially bringing it all the way back to the expectations conversation. If we're really looking at this at year zero, the results aren't going to be what wins or loses the day, so to speak. 
if the season ends and they didn't have a good season and Rocky Lombardi really struggled at quarterback, but Peyton Thorne came in for game six, seven, eight, nine, and had some sparks, had some positive moments, was able to win a couple of games, I think every single Michigan State fan is going to look at that and feel positive about that development moving into next season and feel comfortable with that position moving forward. And and so I think it's kind of a, a, a no-lose scenario starting Lombardi because even if you lose, you don't really lose because it opens up the avenues for giving some of the younger guys a shot. So the rumors are, reported by Bacon Wire, I should say, that uh, <laughs> that Rocky Lombardi is going to be the first quarterback we see under center for Michigan State this season. Makes sense to me. And if I was in control of the situation, unless one of the younger guys was so far in a way, obviously, like, this is the starter. We have to start him if it's really kind of neck and neck, which it seems like it's been, then I'm going to defer to the experience of Lombardi and know that the fallback options of trotting out the younger guys later in the season to see if one of them can provide a spark are much more interesting and smarter than the reverse. All right, that's going to do it for us here on Lockdown Spartans. Thanks so much for listening to today's pod. Reminder to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. You can find Lockdown Spartans wherever you get your podcast. I'll be back tomorrow. Maybe I'll have Sheehan in tow. We'll see if we've got a baby Sheehan yet. Hopefully we do. Uh, But yeah, we're going to talk specifically about Michigan State Rutgers. We are going to get into some nitty gritty. And honestly, there's not a whole lot to get into. This is something like Thursday and Friday shows in the following weeks. We're really going to dive into stuff because we'll have games and players and situations to talk about. But there's a lot of unknown with these two teams right now. But we will definitely dive into this game as much as we can on tomorrow's show. Maybe just me. Hopefully Matt's uh, with me as well. Hope you take the time to join us either way. All right. We'll be back tomorrow. Rate, review, subscribe. Rate, review, subscribe. Go Green.